Welcome to Charisma Connection. This is Steve Green. In the studio here at Charisma Podcast Network, we have Sue Perlman, who's one of the founders of Jews for Jesus. And Sue, I got to hear you speak this morning. It was a privilege and an honor to spend time with you. I know that this has been your life work. So first, welcome to Charisma, and God bless you. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be with you. So tell us a little bit about the founding of Jews for Jesus. How did you come about the founding of this great organization? And I know, tell us how long you've been doing this, but get us right to that amoeba cell, the beginning of your ministry and how it came to be. Well, Jews for Jesus was founded in 32 AD, give or take a year. My goodness. Okay. but you don't I'm, look that old. I'm not that old. <laughs> the modern day movement actually came about as a result of what people knew as the Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. When lots of young people were coming to faith in Christ in large numbers, and among them were a lot of Jews. And um, among these Jewish believers, particularly out in the the Haight-Ashbury section of San Francisco, was a question that was looming. Well, now that we're believing in Jesus, what does that mean to our Jewish identity? Mm -hmm. Are we still Jews or are we former Jews? And Moish Rosen, who was a veteran missionary to the Jewish people, kind of captured the interest and the excitement of these young believers, and and he kind of corralled us together. And in a volunteer movement, uh, Jews for Jesus was one of many slogans we used to describe ourselves, and the media actually picked up on it mm-hmm. and called us the Jews for Jesus. About what era was that? That was 1972. Okay, so early 70s. Early 70s. There was a lot going on then. A lot going on. The local San Francisco State University Mm -hmm. paper did an article on us, and then Time and Newsweek magazines picked up on those articles and and started talking about the Jews for Jesus movement. So saw it as a trend. A trend, yes. Mm -hmm. And we didn't actually incorporate as an organization until September of 1973. Where were you located then? Where was your home office? Our home office was in Marin County in California. Which was, yeah, well, it was equidistant from Berkeley Mm -hmm. and San Francisco. And so we were right right in the middle there to go to both areas. And our main ministry in those days was on the college campuses. Mm -hmm. So we were mostly reaching out to other young Jews like ourselves who were questioning the spiritual answers that were given Mm -hmm. to them. Is there a God? And if there is a God, what does he expect of us? What was the original count of your membership? As you think back in the 70s, how large did the organization get? Well, back in the early days, when I was first involved, we were maybe a dozen of us that were the core group of volunteers. We never imagined that we would grow into a ministry in in 14 countries and 26 cities with Hundreds of staff. Mm-hmm. Where is your home office now? It's still in the Bay Area, it right, is. right in San Francisco. Okay. See, we actually used San Francisco back in those days as a laboratory uh, to reach New York City, which was then the largest mm-hmm. Jewish city in the world. Well, it's certainly a diverse city. <laughs> Definitely, and San Francisco um, was kind of a microcosm of New York. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it had a lot of the same sophistication, but it was much smaller, and so we were able to experiment. And, uh, and we, we ended up staying there as our headquarters. So of Good. course, we've expanded um, way overseas in many places now. Mm-hmm. So now as we fast forward to 2015 and you look back at the 70s, 
What in your memory? What are some of the greatest landmark achievement or milestones that your organization achieved as you missioned Jews for Jesus? Well, for one, we started talking to Jewish people in a way they could understand. And oftentimes, I think the church communicated to Jews in language and in culture that was foreign to us. But Mm -hmm. being followers of Jesus, we didn't have to give up our Jewish identity. And so um, many of us came out of counterculture, and we were able to talk to people in ways that they could understand. We did that through literature and music and drama and art, and I think that's characterized us through the years, um, the creative communications. Yes. And then also, we were not a respecter of age. You know, mm-hmm. what, if someone was capable to do something, whether they were 20 or 50, it didn't matter. They got the opportunity to do it, and I think that's important. So I heard you speak this morning uh, about the Masa. And I was so intrigued to hear you say that you've got a real focus on the millennials. And you know, most millennials don't like to be labeled that way, but they're 20-pluses, the 20-somethings, and you're having great success in reaching the 20-somethings. Bring us up to date on that. Yes, Massah means uh, journey in Hebrew, and it's uh, part of our young adult ministry in Israel where we're actually uh, seeing a lot of young people engaged in doing the work of proclamation. And they are you know, in their 20s and in their 30s, and they're reaching other Israelis with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the head of our work in Israel is 34 years old, which I think is important. Yes. So he, he's young, and he can instill a, a can-do attitude in other young people. I think more often than not, uh, young people need just need the opportunities to do things and the um, and the confidence of um, their their seniors that they believe in them. Yes. You know, they believe they can. I remember when Jews for Jesus started. Moish Rosen, you know, looked at me and I saw myself very much as a diamond in the rough, and he saw me that way too. But he actually saw my potential, and I think that's what we need to do with young people today: is recognize not necessarily where they're at now, but where they can go and give them the opportunity to try, to fail, and then to have successes and to cheerlead them along. I think that's the future of the movement. Well, I'm fascinated with the Massah, only because I spent most of my career in a college classroom as a professor and a dean and seeing young people develop. I've worked with 20-somethings all my life. That's been my ministry. And even if they're 40, they're 20-something, right? Exactly. Young at heart and so much to learn. <laughs> but thinking of that group, what is the purpose of the Masada? It is, a, is it an annual trek or a journey, or is it just something that someone can begin at any time and take this trail? Tell me more about it. I don't know. I don't well, there know. are seasonal times for Israelis to go on the trails. These are hiking trails in different places, whether it's India or uh, New Zealand or Peru. How long does it take? For our teams, we have them out there for up to four to six weeks. Okay. And well, it's not the Appalachian Trail where you're a hiker and trying to survive the wilderness. This is a spiritual journey. It's a spiritual journey. There are hostels along the way that you can stay in and coffee houses and so on. And you know, But you just take your, your lifelong belongings in a backpack and make your way. So wow. we try and carry material with us that's fairly light and easy. <laughs> And uh, a lot of it is, is links online to, to places to go because people don't want to add weight <laughs> to right. their ba- backpacks. So they sleep in a hostel or with a, someone 
some family every night? Rather, yeah, they, they they're sleep, not in the woods. No, they're not in the woods. But, um, but for instance, right now we're, we've just completed the Jewish high holidays, and mm-hmm. we had a Rosh Hashanah service out in India for these young people on the trail because they're not going to find a service um, otherwise uh, easily yes. in such a place. We're visiting with Sue Perlman. She's one of the founders of Jews for Jesus. And as we go forward, you just mentioned some of the Jewish holidays. This is a big week for people of the Jewish faith. Tell us a little bit about what's happening this week or what has happened. Well, this is the fall festival season of the Jewish holidays. They're called the High Holy Days. Mm -hmm. Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, is found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. begins the new year for Jews in the Hebrew calendar. It's the month of Tishri. We celebrate the the harvest and the idea that there is a newness of life that we have. We send out greetings to one another at this time. We eat sweet things like honey and apples to wish for a good and sweet new year for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then we have 10 days of kind of contemplation. They're called the 10 days of awe in which we think about our life, the past year, the good things we've done, the sins we've committed, and we try and make restitution, make things right for our life so that God might look upon us with grace. And then on the 10th day, which is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Which was yesterday. Which was yesterday. Mm-hmm. We go into synagogue. We pray all day. We fast and ask God to forgive us our sins. Of course, for those of us who are Messianic Jews, who are Jews who believe in Jesus, we see Jesus as our atonement, as the only one who has the power to forgive our sins. We don't have a temple today. We don't have um, a priesthood that can go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for us. Jesus has accomplished that. Mm -hmm. But you still go through the Day of Atonement? Do you still go? and? I do. I do because I do it as a way of identifying with my own people. Mm-hmm. And I use it as a time to fast and pray for those that don't have forgiveness of their sins yet, that mm-hmm. they might find good. an answer in Christ. It's really no different. For, well, it is spiritually different from a new year, a time to reflect and look back and uh, understand still the cross is what we all uh, know that is the difference. That's what makes the difference. Exactly. Okay. Is there anything that you look back on in your life that you would consider a high point, the zenith of your career, of your mission, that you look at with such great memory and awe of God? Oh, I, there's not one thing I, I can point to, but um, I, would just, I would just say the fact that uh, he, he saved me, that he, he came and made my life to be of value and meaning Mm-hmm. I don't think I thought of myself as part of the chosen people in the sense of God choosing me. And I, I didn't think in terms of having a destiny. Uh, yet once I came to know him, I became part of the people, you know, that God intended me to be, you know, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Mm, and, uh, and that made all the difference. Yes, ma'am. So if uh, any of our listeners would like to support your mission... Is there a website? Is there a place we can go and donate and, and support your cause? Yes, there is. Uh, if, and it's very simple. Just go to JewsForJesus.org. 
uh, spelled out the three words Jews like for the easy Jesus. Ones. <laughs> yeah, JewsforJesus.org, and there'll be a donate button on there. And if you go there and would like to even get our monthly free newsletter electronically or in print, you can do so. And if you'd like to support me, just type in my name in the comment box. Great. So, could you tell me a little bit, because uh, our listeners will ask, what are the funds used for? How do you use the monies? in the organization to spread the gospel? What are some of the things that you do with the finances that are donated? Okay, we do a lot of the traditional forms of evangelism, like we visit people in their homes. We distribute gospel literature mm-hmm. on street corners. Tell us about one that you did this morning. I was, a, I was fascinated with some of the things that you're up to. Well, one of the things that we're working on right now is ministry to soldiers. We do we do Bible studies with the Israeli soldiers. They need it. They need it. They need encouragement. Sure. You know, when they go back out there to meet with other soldiers who are not believers. Right. One of the things we're doing here in the States that's been a lot of fun is we've engaged people with a cold-brewed coffee ministry. And we'll prepare coffee and we'll go to parks, we'll go to commuter sites and the, and the coffee cups will say, Bruise for Jesus. I love it. And they'll, they'll have an, a hashtag on it and be able to connect with us that it's way. Good branding. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners? Just that God does bless those who bless his people. Yes. And I, I, if you care for the Jewish people, God will care for you. I believe that. That's a good word. It's in the Bible? That's right. What's the verse? It's from Genesis chapter 12. I will bless those who bless you, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so just before we end this podcast on the Charisma Connection, would you lead us in prayer for all the great folks that support Jews for Jesus? I will, Steve. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we come to you thanking you, Lord, for your people, for the great listeners at Charisma Connection, the friends of Jews for Jesus, Lord, your family, who have made this ministry possible. We uh, bless them, Lord, and we ask, Lord, your favor upon each as they go about their day. In Yeshua's name, our Messiah. Amen. And that's a great way to end this podcast. Thank you all for listening to Charisma Connection. Our guest has been Sue Perlman, who is a founder, one of the founders of Jews for Jesus. And I might just give you this editor's note that I'm going to have Sue in the studio also. And we're going to do a Green Lines. And most of you know that that's a leadership opportunity to listen to what Sue has to say to women in leadership. So you don't want to miss that either. Sue, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve. It's been a delight to be with you. God bless you. You're listening to Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you all. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.